Hey guys, welcome back to the Next Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Huber, joined alongside by Andrew Christensen. And today, we're going to be talking all about the draft. So much has happened the past few days from Rogers' retirement and trade rumors to the Eagles and Cowboys swapping first-round picks in this year's draft. I hope you had a great time watching the draft, Andrew. And do you want to just get started with the podcast? Yeah, I mean, the draft definitely definitely lived up to ex- expectations of excitement, uh, a lot of good picks, a lot of head-scratching ones, so a lot to discuss. Let's get into it. Yeah, there was a lot that happened, obviously. You had Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence go one and two, and you had Trey Lance go three, which I predicted. Um, Andrew did not, however. He had Justin Fields going three, but um, we'll just skip over that. Um and today's topics, we'll be talking about, you know, the winners and losers of the draft, because that's big on draft day. If you hit on draft day, you have a better chance to win more games in the regular season, and that's usually what winners do. Uh, we'll be doing booking with Brooks because you like that statement so much. Uh, the best pick of the draft and the head-scratching pick of the draft. And, of course, we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers' rumors because we can't go a whole podcast without talking about that. So let's just jump right into it. Andrew, who is your winner from the total draft? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons on this one. And the reason I have them is because I think they're kind of a team that went under the radar in this year's draft. Um, they addressed basically a lot of their needs they needed to. Um, basically, what they what they did in the draft is, you know, everyone knows they got Kyle Pitts at number four. He's arguably the most talented player in the draft besides, you know, a lot of those quarterbacks. But along with that, they addressed their needs at safety and cornerback Having an awful defense last year, especially in the secondary, they picked up Richie Grant, who is a great safety, along with cornerback Darren Hall. So I think those are two definitely big needs that they needed to address. So how do you think the Falcons did this year? I loved their draft. Um, I thought they were taking a quarterback, but they, um, along with a lot of other people, thought that they took Kyle Pitts, and I think that's an amazing pick. Um, and I think their offense is going to be amazing, but that wasn't necessarily the problem. That's why I love the pick um for the safety yeah i mean we we all know the talent they have on offense right they have julio jones who may or may not be there but along with kelvin ridley matt ryan is is a solid quarterback um he definitely has some issues but along with that too they had some offensive line issues last year but they did go for michigan's guard i like that i like Jalen mayfield that was an underrated was that third round pick i think that was an underrated pick and Richie Grant, he was one of my under-the-radar safeties. I personally had him right up there for, like, the top safety in this class. And I think my my guy, Foye Luakon, who I had an opportunity to talk to last month, he's going to like that addition. He's going to like playing with him. I think they addressed every need that they needed this offseason. Where I go as far as say is they won the draft. I wouldn't say they, like, just solely won it. I think a lot of teams won it, but they're definitely up there. I mean, I think they had a, a great draft. And they can hit on those picks especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think they could be playoff contenders this year, don't you think? I definitely think so. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just one of those teams that no one's really talking about, right, because they didn't they didn't go with that flashy quarterback, but they addressed their needs. Um, definitely Kyle Pitts, he's going to be an insane talent, but do you think Kyle they would have... going to be so good. I can't wait to actually see him catch the field because he's not just a tight end. You know, his position says tight end, but he can do so much more than that. And I think they drafted in a very versatile draft class. Guys that can play really all over the field for their respective positions, which you don't really see very often. Um, 
So yeah, I, I, I like this pick a lot. And yeah, I, I'm curious to to hear what you think on this Brooks, but you know their their pick for at number four was kind of up in the air. Um, we did see that they went with Kyle Pitts. Do you think if Trey Lance was still on the board, do you think they would have went with him? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, they're they're deciding between Kyle Pitts and a quarterback, right? And we knew we knew the picks at one and two, but we didn't know where Trey Lance was going to go. Do you think they would have chose him? You know, that's hard to say. I thought they were taking quarterback because um, of the Julio Jones trade rumors. I'm like, hmm, they must want to go younger, maybe take a younger guy. But looking back on it, Kyle Pitts is the best available guy right there. I think you have to take him at number four, no matter which quarterback's available, unless it's uh, Trevor Lawrence. So I think they made the right pick. I think if Trey Lance was on the board, they would have made the same pick. But I guess, who knows, maybe in an alternate universe, they would have taken Trey Lance, but I think they still would have went with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and and with the addition of Kyle Pitts, too, I I would argue that they're at least top three with the receiving core, right? You have Kyle Pitts, Kelvin well, Ridley. For sure. I, I think, I mean, their, their receiving core, I think, is going to be better than the Cowboys, the Bucks. Um, just name a few that are up there as the top. Um, of the list. I think if Kyle Pitts can go in and dominate like I think he will, and if Julio Jones can stay healthy and Kyle really can keep um, for, being formed as a player that we all know he can be and keep improving like he is every single year and breaking out, I think definitely they will have the best receiving core in the league next year. Yeah. And it'll be interesting too, if the listeners don't know, they have a major issue with cap space. So a lot of people are predicting that Julio might be traded or might go somewhere else. So that's another topic for another time. Um, And honestly, as much as it would hurt them if you got traded, it would not be the end of the world. Their defense, as we know, was crummy last year. They lost a lot of key pieces. And if they can get a first round pick and some other draft capital for Julio, who has not been really healthy for the past few years, as dominant as he has been. Um, I think adding Kyle Pitts would kind of make it easier for them to let go of Julio Jones, but I do not expect that to happen. But I think we, it could be something to look into. Yeah, so with all that being said, Atlanta had a really disappointing season last year, so hopefully these picks can help them turn it around. But in the end, Brooks, I'm curious to hear, who do you think your winner of the draft was? Yeah, I well, let's start off. I really like the Chargers and the Jets draft. I think they both um, targeted a position of need, and they did it very, very well. But I think ultimately the Dolphins had a better draft. Chris Greer, their GM, does it again. They had an absurd amount of draft picks this year, thanks to Bill O'Brien, and were able to land my second-best wide receiver in the draft and former teammate of Tua in Jalen Waddle. They were able to address their pass rush with the best in the class with Jalen Phillips out of Miami, and they took safety Javon Holland out of Oregon that Coach Flores really liked in the second round. And the interesting thing to note, though, is with that safety, um, is that Brian Flores, he's a safety coach at heart. That's what he specializes in. So people saying, eh, he's not the best safety on the board. Well, that could be true. But I think Coach Flores knows more than Instagram GMs do. So I like that pick a lot. And then he took Liam Eichenberg in the second round out of Notre Dame. And I don't have to say much about that pick considering how well Notre Dame offense linemen do in the NFL. So overall, this was a perfect draft by Chris Greer and the Dolphins, and this meant them as playoff contenders next year, don't you think? Or a playoff team next year, don't you think? 
Yeah, I mean, going off last season, they had a ton of talent. They they kind of surpassed everyone's expectations. So, I mean, definitely adding more talent, they they have to be up there for a um a playoff a playoff team. But with all that being said, I love the addition of Jalen Waddle. The one thing about him is, I honestly think he would have been the Heisman um, if he wouldn't have got hurt. You know, he. When him and Devonta Smith were both playing at Alabama, he honestly looked like the better wide receiver, and and I think that's a key reason why he went before Devonta Smith. But with all that being said, he's going to be an insane talent, and like you said, I mean, they just had a ton of draft picks, right? They've really turned around their franchise because only a few years ago they were looked at as one of the worst franchises. They had guys wanting out. They had Minka Fitzpatrick, who had drafted a year prior, say, I don't want to play for this team. I'm going to go with the Steelers. And what's going to be funny is in two years later, the Dolphins are going to be better than the Steelers. So I think Mika Fitzpatrick, looking back, would he say, hey, I want, you know, I should have thought this through a little bit more? Probably. But I don't blame him in the moment. They were trading Laramie Tunzel, guys like that. It looks like they're going to a full-on rebuild. And, you know, now two years later, they're, they're looking to be on top of the AFC East. So I really love what they did. And Jalen Waddell, he's a guy that can create separation and is a speedy, flashy guy, the closest Tyreek Hill in this draft. And Devontae Parker was not getting separation. The guys they had were not getting separation for Tua. So getting Jalen Waddell is going to be so awesome for Tua. Tua's going to have a breakout year, and this offense is going to be very underrated heading into next season. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how far they can take it this year. Um, I do think that Jalen Waddell, too, opens up uh, Tua's big play potential. So it's going to be interesting. Um, if listeners don't remember, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter for them at the start of the season before Tua took over. So now that Tua has some experience under his belt, it will be interesting to see how how he can compete You know, for a full-length season if he stays healthy. Yeah, and people were saying, hey, they didn't take Panay Sewell at six, but they, they addressed every single need with the best player available. And honestly, in the draft, that's what you have to do. You don't really draft for scheme fit per se. Um, it's just more best player available. And I think Chris Greer nailed that um, this year. So I'm excited for them. I think they will be a playoff team, no doubt. Um, and they could potentially rival the Bills for first place in the AFC East. Don't tell Isaiah McKenzie I said that, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I, I am convinced that Jalen Waddle was their guy from the start. I think they had him. You know, on their draft list with a few. If Jamar Chase was on the name. board, who do you think they would have gone with? I I think they would have gone with Demar Chase, but I don't know. That's tough, but it was kind of evident that Demar Chase was going to go. But I don't know. That's a whole other discussion for another time. But either way, there was a lot of wide receiver talent early in the draft. Now I don't think you could go wrong with any of those options. Yeah, for sure. Um. Can I start with my loser of the draft? Are we moved on from the winners? I think we've knocked that one out of the park. Yeah, I'm curious to see hear who your loser of this draft was. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. They had a di- they had a kind of disappointing year last year, losing the divisional to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Drew Brees retired. It's now Jameis Winston's team, it looks like. And all they needed to do was really have a good draft and kind of build around Jameis a little bit more. But they did not have that, simply. In terms of addressing their needs, I think they did a good enough job with that. They got positions they needed. But in terms of getting the best available with those needs, they struck out. They reached badly on defensive end Peyton Turner of Houston. 
and watching Cam Jordan talking um, the draft and even looked shocked looking at that pick. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I didn't know who he was till his name was called. He was in any two-round mock drafts that I looked at in the past month or so. I was kind of shocked. So I just don't think that was a good pick at all. And then the only pick I was really excited about was Paulson Adebo out of Stanford. He opted out last season, but in his junior season, he had four interceptions and led the Pac-12 in passes, defended in interceptions per game. He was the only clear bright spot in this draft for me, and they will look back on this draft in three years when they're re-signing those players and think, wow, we kind of screwed up on this one. Yeah, I think they had, you know, some needs at safety and guard, and it didn't look like they addressed those. So was a re- little disappointed with that. But in the end, Sean Payton usually seems to know <laughs> what he's doing in a sense. But it will be interesting. I know you mentioned building around Jameis. Are you are you convinced then that Jameis will be the starting quarterback? Because that changes a lot of things. He will be the starting quarterback. Am I convinced he's the guy? That's to be determined. I think that's a discussion for another time. But I thought they would take Terrace Marshall of LSU, keep him in Louisiana. They did not do that. The Panthers took him one pick before. And then they had guys on the board that they could have used a lot more, like Trevon Morig, safety out of TCU. They could have gotten a quality corner to put on the opposite side of Marshawn Lattimore, but they did not do that. Defense then, yes, was that a priority thing they needed? Yes. But was that the right pick? At that moment, no, not at all, not at all. Because they have not been good at drafting defensive ends in the draft since Cam Jordan. Look at Marcus Davenport. They traded two firsts for him. And, Andrew, I'm not even sure you probably know who that is. He is not he, He's not living up to what his hype was. So I, I don't trust them drafting defensive ends, and I think they definitely struck out with this one. Yeah, I just – I'm still extremely confused on why they decided to draft Notre Dame's quarterback, Ian Book, in the fourth round. Uh, just because I think that was an insurance pick. I think, yes, they have Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, but I just think that that wasn't the best available in their mind. Where I would take him in the fourth round, no way. But, you know, that's, their, that's for their scouts to decide, not me. I think that was more of a competition-type pick and see if he can be the guy. Yeah, and we've seen this in the past too, right? We had the Packers last year who, you know, with Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers decided to go with a quarterback in the first round in Jordan Love. So we've seen a lot of teams pick pick quarterbacks even though they look to have a starter. So I don't know. In my thought process, it's like, you know, if you truly want your quarterback to succeed, you want to get him the best weapons, right? You want to surround them with the best weapons rather than already drafting an insurance pick or replacement. So kind of disappointed in Sean Payton and that organization in that pick, but they must have really seen something in Ian Book. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And also the last thing to point out is, you know, how they've used Taysom Hill in the past, right? Not not a traditional quarterback role. They've had him play multiple positions. So maybe they have some something similar planned with Ian Book, but we'll have to see. Yeah, because Taysom Hill now, He's not doing his normal workout. He is doing an actual quarterback workout. He's working on quarterback things. Before, he was just doing a workout to be the Swiss Army knife that he was. He was doing workouts that helped him be that guy that he was. And now he's like, no, this is my time to be quarterback. I'm not doing those same workouts. I'm not working on those things. I'm working on being a passer, getting better at that. And I think, hey, good for him. 
I hope he wins the job. But I think him and Jameis are going to have a fun training camp battle. Um, with that, with that being said, who is your loser from draft night? Yeah, so with my loser, I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. And the reason is because, for some reason, they're just known as that team that reaches in the first round. Um, if the listeners don't know, they decided to draft offensive lineman Leatherwood, um, who is a lineman from Alabama. And, you know, they drafted him at a position where there is linemen such as Derisaw and Jenkins still available. So I think Leatherwood was one of the bigger reaches in the draft. And for a first-round pick, it just kind of has me really scratching my head and, and wondering, you know, what was their thought process with that? Yeah, I thought they – he was a second-round prospect in my mind. They could have drafted someone else, waited until second round. But they didn't make it up for it with Trevon Morig. So I think they got good value there. But, I mean, looking at the rest of their draft, they did miss on some other picks. That I thought they could have gotten um, better players with, don't you think? Well, yeah, uh, they did select a cornerback in the second round, which, you know, is, is good in the sense that Abram, Jonathan Abram, tends to get hurt a lot. And it's also a good cornerback to pair up with him. But... You know, what they did after that is they proceeded to draft an additional two safeties after that. So although I, I agree with, you know, drafting a safety to pair with Abram, it just confuses me that they followed it up with two additional ones. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a team that has faith in Abram, first of all. And again, he was another first round pick that they drafted in the Gruden era. And I said this. I said this on the TikTok. If you aren't following it, link is in the bio. Go do that now. That since Gruden has taken over, they have not made great decisions for agency and the draft. And they pick players that they reach on, and they don't make the best decisions. And I think Abram was kind of one of those. Yes, he's a solid player, but he, like you said, he has gotten banged up a little bit. So I just don't know how or why you would draft three safeties. I understand your secondary was terrible last year, but that's still just a head-scratching pick you pick one in the second round third round fourth round and then a cornerback in the fifth so and you should have addressed the offensive line a little bit more than they did um because i don't think leatherwood was a great prospect to address the pick with but all in all you know it wasn't their best draft but it definitely wasn't their worst in recent memory yeah and like i said since they reached quite a bit for for leatherwood that lineman you know, with, with those kind of picks, if he turns out to be, you know, amazing Hall of Fame lineman, they're going to look as geniuses. But as of now, it's like everyone's kind of questioning what their decision was with that. And, and if they if he really was their guy, um, I'm just curious why they didn't move back in the draft to get him because I can almost guarantee he would have been there with, with guys like Scott and Jenkins still available. I mean, yeah, there's – like the placement, that's one thing being bad, but the players ahead of him that were better or deemed better, that's just an, that's just the cherry on top. They could have definitely traded back. You saw the Vikings, they did an amazing job doing that last night. Yeah, they could have gone Elijah Vera Tucker at 14, but they trade back to 23 and still get their guy with Christian Derrissaw. So kudos to the Vikings for that one. I thought the Raiders should have done something like that, but if it works out for them, that's great. Um, do I think it'll work out? Not really, but I do think that Javon Mulray was a great pick. Yeah, and the funniest part about it, too, is after the Raiders selected Leatherwood, they 
they kind of tuned into their draft room and, and all the Raiders coaches and, and staff were high-fiving and such. And it, I just stopped and laughed because I'm like, I get it that they're excited, but they almost acted like he wasn't going to be there. It was it was like a guarantee that he was going to be on the board. So it was kind of funny to see him all pumped about getting him. Yeah. Did you see the Eagles draft room after their third-round pick? Howie Roseman was kind of fist-bumping everybody except their head scout. Their head scout was like arms crossed in the corner, shaking his head, thinking it's a bad pick. And then Howie's like trying to talk to him, like, hey, what's wrong or whatever? It, it was it was really funny. That just shows you the whole Eagles organization right there. Um, now let's talk about who was your best pick. Technically, like the steal of the draft per se. Um, here. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when talking about the NFL draft this year, it's important to talk about Justin Fields. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people at the beginning before the, the 49ers announced it was between um, Mac and Lance, a lot of people had Justin Fields going at number three. And so for him to slip all the way to 11. Like you, by the way. <laughs> well, you got <laughs> you to gotta remember I did pick that multiple weeks ago. So, And I picked Trey Lance multiple months ago. Carry on. Well, we could talk about some other picks you had in the draft, Brooks, but I'll save the embarrassment for that. So anyways, back back to talking about fields. Uh, the Chicago Bears traded up nine spots with the New York Giants to select fields at 11th. And I think for them to get a, a caliber quarterback such as Justin Fields at the 11th pick in the draft, it's just a great pick. I think he's going to fit well with that culture. So do you think he's going to be successful in Chicago? You know, usually I say Chicago is where quarterbacks go to die. But you got to hand it to Ryan Pace. He knows his job's on the line. And he had a phenomenal draft. He trades up to take Justin Fields, which that's the move he had to make if he wanted to keep his job. So first of all, kudos to him for doing that. Second of all, they took Tevin Jenkins to protect him. Because you know if a rookie quarterback's not an offensive line, the chances for him to succeed – are going to be very, very low. So they addressed that in the second round. Great picks by them. And I think he will succeed. Um, will, how much will he learn behind the red rifle? I have no idea. But I think he'll start by week six at the latest. I think he could, depending on where Rodgers is, which we'll talk about later, they could win the division. So I really like this pick. I love the, how aggressive the Bears were this draft. They mean business. And with their defense, I'm excited for him. Yeah, I think he's going to fit in well. He's definitely a mobile quarterback, which we've seen you know, in these, these past drafts. A lot of these mobile quarterbacks are getting picked early and finding a lot of success in the NFL. So I think he's going to be good on the Bears. Um, I know you were a little disappointed, Brooks, because you had him going to Atlanta at four. So you can chirp me about my picks, but that was that was a big L on your side. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I seriously thought he was going four, um, but I love the Kyle Pitts pick there. Um, I'm guessing you kind of thought he was going to go 14 to the Vikings, though. I bet you were kind of hoping he was going to slide a little bit and the Bears kind of traded up. Yeah, well, when you – I honestly thought he'd go to the Broncos, but after he didn't, it was kind of like, well, you know – We got to talk about that later, too, but yes, yeah. Yeah, because you know the Chargers aren't going to pick him. You know the Eagles aren't – well, the Eagles – definitely well could yes, yes, but you knew the Cowboys and the Giants – well – Again, you, you a lot of these There's teams. Lot of there. 
That's why yeah. it, was, it was kind of shocking. Like, I thought maybe the Patriots would have traded up, but they took Mac Jones. Um, overall, though, this was an amazing pick by the Bears, and I think that they can continue to build around him like they have in this draft. If they can kind of convince Allen Robinson to stay, Justin Fields is going to be a very good quarterback, and I would not be surprised if he's the second or third in his class. Yeah, and the last thing to point out here is I honestly think this is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has played with. It definitely and is. He hasn't even... And he hasn't even played a uh, snap in the NFL. So. He's better than Blake Bortles. He is better Nick than Mitch sure. Nick Foles. He will be better than Andy Dolan at this stage of his career. Yeah. And so, then we have like Christian Hackenberg in college. Yeah, so he's, he's overall, had so many bad quarterbacks, and I, he, now he'll finally have a stud one. Exactly. So we've seen Allen Robinson's talent displayed. These past few years, so now that he's got an even even better quarterback, it'll be interesting to see how far how far those two can take the Bears this year. Yeah, I'm gonna go for my best pick here, and I could have gone with a lot of different players because there is a lot of fallers in this draft and and steals. But I'm gonna go with the Browns taking Jeremiah Usakoromoa, linebacker of Notre Dame. He was my best linebacker coming into the draft. And the Browns getting him with the 52nd overall pick was an absolute steal. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything on defense. And some GMs even have him as a free safety going into the draft. And just because he's like an insane athlete that can cover anyone you line him up against. So when I saw he was still on the board at 24, I thought the Browns were going to get him then. They take a cornerback, and they're still able to get him at 52. This was amazing, amazing drafting by the Browns. And they got the seal of the draft right there. Yeah, me and Brooks were exchanging texts during the draft, and and after we watched uh, Patrick Sertain go, he was convinced that you know this linebacker would would be selected by the Cowboys at pick ten. So that just goes to show how how high a lot of people had um, him on their board, including you, Brooks, and and for him to slip that far is quite shocking to me. I mean, look, Parsons. I watched highlight. I mean, okay, highlights is not the best tape. I know that I'm aware of that, but that's all my cheap self can buy or can go with right now. So when I was watching the highlights, Cormoa can do everything that Parsons can do, but more. Does he have the same instincts and can get in the backfield as fast and stop the run? Not as much, but everything else I'm taking Cormoa with. I think Parsons was the better pick for the Cowboys just because their run defense was like the worst in the NFL last season. And you see with their other picks that that's what they're trying to do is stop the run. But needless to say, Cormoa was a steal at 52. And who knows, he may be my early defensive rookie of the year pick. You'll have to tune in next week to hear those out. Yeah, and it's it's worthy to note, too, that the Browns actually considered taking him in the first round. So... Um, they definitely had him on their on their sights early on. So for them to steal him in the second, I bet you they were just licking their lips when they saw he was still there. So I love that, you know, not only did the Browns draft him, but they traded up for him too. So they showed enough intent, intent for him, and he's definitely going to probably have a chip on his shoulder, right? Oh, and he's good. Yeah, I mean, I would be quite mad if I were him too because he knows, he knows the capability he has, so – that's just some extra motivation, so I can see why you might have him as one of your early picks. Yeah, and I was trying to, if you guys are followers of mine, you guys know I've been trying to get an interview with him for a while. I take him on a story twice. He has seen it twice, 
has not checked his DM once or responded. So I've been trying so hard to get interviews with him. I'm going to try even harder now that he's a, that he got slipped to the second round. But he's just an amazing talent, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him ball out next year because that Browns defense, that's going to be something to watch because they took Greg Newsom, which people are like, why would they take him? And he's actually a solid corner. Is he better than Cormoa? No, but still a solid corner nonetheless, and that's going to be an exciting defense to watch. Yeah, the Browns have a ton of talent on defense, so it'll be interesting to see. But anyways, moving on to my head-scratching pick of the draft, and I'm going to go with Patrick Sertain on this one. And the reason I'm picking him is not because of his talent. I think he's going to excel in the NFL. I think he's an absolute beast. But I'm just kind of scratching my head why the Broncos went for him. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people had the Broncos going quarterback. I even thought they'd go with the quarterback, but... You know, this pick really shows that they must be either confident in Drew Locke or confident in getting another quarterback such as Aaron Rodgers. So what are your thoughts on the Broncos drafting him at nine? Yeah, this pick screams one thing for me. George Patton is overly confident in his ability to get Aaron Rodgers because I guarantee you he does not believe in Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater that much to pass upon Justin Fields to a point where he has a great feeling that he's going to be an Aaron Rodgers. And a deal could already be placed out. I don't think a deal would go through until June. Um, but we'll talk again, we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But it was head scratching for me because they already have they signed Ronald Darby um and Kyle Fuller. They already have Bryce Callahan. And I feel like I mean I'm forgetting another guy too. They have they have a stacked cornerback room and they have some great safeties. So I didn't think cornerback was a great need for him, but a lot is riding on George Patton and his ability to get Aaron Rodgers this offseason because if he's unable to get Rodgers and Justin Fields becomes the next big thing and Drew Locke and Tate Bridgewater don't pan out and they have that great defense, great overall team, but they can't do anything with it, guess who's going to be on the hot seat? Guess who the ownership is going to be looking at? And, like, why would you – I just don't understand why you wouldn't take Fields there. Yeah, and I see what you're saying, but one thing to point out too here is I truly believe that this was the most influential pick of the draft. And it definitely you know, was. Oh yeah, I would, the entire draft. I would write that on Sharpie. I I am absolutely locking that in. And the reason I say that is because I am convinced that the Cowboys, this was their guy, right? This this was their guy. Well, there there was reports that Micah Parsons was just inevitably their guy. And the only reason why people said Patrick Sertan was because they needed corner help. But in my mind, I think what's gonna what would happen was Cowboys take him at 10, Sertan at 10. The Giants don't trade back with the Bears because exactly. Fields is on the board. Yep. Giants take Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is there. Eagles now, I don't even know who they would take. They would probably take Micah Parsons, I would assume. He's a he went to Penn State. He's a Pennsylvania native, but like, I guess I'm not sure. I mean, what do you think would have happened with that? Would the Bears trade up for Mac Jones or? I don't, yeah, and that's a good question. And like you said, I think the Cowboys would have taken Sertain. I don't think that the the Cowboys would have traded back at all because I think Sertain was, was arguably their guy. But either way with that, then the Bears wouldn't have got fields, like you said, and I don't think the Bears were too high on Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones followed to the Patriots for a reason. I don't think too many teams were chomping at the bit to get him. So, 
it definitely would have shaken up the draft so much. Um, As a Vikings fan, it kind of hurts me because I do think Fields to the Bears was kind of a steal. So I think it it was the most influential pick, and I think a lot of teams were kind of thrown off by that, and it probably affected a lot of draft strategies too. Yeah, it definitely shook up a lot of draft boards um, across the rest of the league. Um, so if you had a pick before eleven, I'm guess or nine or eleven or whatever, you would you're pretty happy with how things turned out. But a little bit after that, you're like, whoa, all right. Um, let's go to mine now. My head scratching pick as I was watching the draft. I'm like, hey, Jack Orson, you're at twenty five. Awesome, they're gonna go Trevon Morig or Christian Barmore. They're gonna take a a position of need. But no, they go with Travis Etienne. Now his talent, it's undeniable. He almost had 5,000 yards and 78 total touchdowns in his career at Clemson. But if you are a team that previously went 1-15 and and had an undrafted free agent rookie come off a 1,000-yard season, what would make you pick running back in the first round other than he was teammates with Trevor Lawrence? Like, yes, they addressed some of their needs in free agency and later in the draft, but this pick makes no sense to me. Trevor Lawrence is not going to make you improve from 1-15 that much. Like, they'll probably win five games this next year. So in my opinion, the best on the board was Javon Morig, and the fact they didn't take him was head-scratching to me because I'm looking at this, and I'm like, who in the right mind as a 1-15 team says, hmm, I think a running back is a good pick here with a bunch of needs, and then, oh, yeah, you still have a guy who was top five in rushing last year. So, I mean, from all aspects, you think about who you already have, your other needs you have to address. It just does not make sense to me. Yeah, this was another pick that caught me by surprise. And, you know, you mentioned James Robinson, and I want to expand on that a little bit. He definitely showed flashes of stardom last year. He showed flashes of being the guy. And people can say he was not that good of a pass catcher. But you don't draft just a guy for pass catching in the first round of the draft. I don't care if he's best friends with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and – and I don't know necessarily, I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, they must have struck a deal with, with Trevor Lawrence on this. But my thought process is, you look at a lot of these teams nowadays, and they're really utilizing the two running backs, right? So we have um, Elvin Kamara, who we know is, you know, top three running back in the league. Does he get every carry? Not even close. Oftentimes he gets less carries, but he makes up his... his um, his fantasy points and stuff in the past game. So you look at the saints, even the Cowboys, Tony Pollard comes in a lot. Um, I think a lot of teams are moving to this two, two back set in the sense that Christian McCaffrey is one of those guys who was just overworked and we saw the injuries. So I think a lot of players are trying to save their, their running backs and utilize more. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, this was like just the back accelerate, have a guy. It's just, it was more of a bad pick just because they have so many other needs they need to address. And two, two running backs, that's not a bad thing. But take a guy like that in the second or third round. Don't waste a first-round pick on him when you have so many other needs to address. Like, that, that pick just baffled me. And an interesting thing to note, Trevor Lawrence, who was not officially a Jag for, like, a two hours, right? He had more say in his team's first-round pick than Aaron Rodgers has in the past five years. <laughs> now, if, if that's not a crazy thing, I don't know what is. Trevor Lawrence, who hasn't even been there for two hours, had more say than Aaron Rodgers, who was with them for 16 seasons. So that should tell you a little bit about the Packers organization. I don't know what will. Uh, again, we'll talk about that later. 
Yeah, and I think with both of our head scratching picks too, Patrick Sertain and and ETN, we both know they're they're talented players and they definitely could really excel. But the reason we bring these two players up is just because either the position they're drafted or kind of why the team chose to pick them over addressing other needs. So they were a luxury. Both of our picks were luxury picks, and those two teams cannot afford to make a luxury pick in this. And they're both yeah. of their scenarios. Like the Bear, or the Broncos, they needed a quarterback. Drew Locke, he's not. He showed flashes rookie year, <laughs> but I don't think he's the guy. And Teddy Bridgewater, he's going to be today's Ryan Fitzmagic. So just bounce around from team to team. I don't think he'll be capable of being the starter. So if they really are serious about Super Bowl, how their defense looks like right now, they got to get a guy. Unless they're really confident getting Rodgers, this was a bad pick. Not because of talent, but because of team need. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring up the idea of a luxury pick with a 1-15 in team, like you said. So in the end, you know, you're thinking about teams that can make luxury picks, and, you know, a team the Jaguars are not one of them. No, and a team that comes to mind for me would be the Green Bay Packers, right? They have that, you know, and not only – it wouldn't even be a luxury pick to pick a star-wide receiver. It would just kind of be in general need, but that just goes to show, you know – the influence that some players can have in the NFL and the influence that some players such as Aaron Rodgers don't get. So, all right, moving on to the next topic, we're going to go with booking it with Brooks. So for the listeners that don't know what this topic is, I will ask Brooks three separate questions and he needs to decide if he's booking it or not. So with that being said, let's jump into the first one. All right, Brooks. Are you booking it that even if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy all season, Trey Lance will start at some point? I am, and I think there's a great chance that he could be the week one guy. There's a reason why he got drafted third overall. It's because of how exciting of a player he is, and I think with Kyle Shanahan full off season, he's going to be the guy. And I think with Jimmy G's injury histories, he could start for anywhere from week three to week nine. And I said this on the prior podcast that if he plays at least 14 games this next season, he will be rookie of the year. If you look at the weapons he has, he has George Kittle, Ren Nayuk, Debo Samuel, a ton of guys that kind of help him as a player. So I, I will be, I will be booking that. Yeah. And I think a, a reason a lot of people had Trey Lance you know, behind players such as Fields or Mac Jones is because a lot of th- people don't think he's NFL ready. He's coming from an FCS FCS school where they didn't have, you know, the level caliber of teams that, that are in FBS. So a lot of people think he hasn't been exposed to a high level of talent. And a lot of people think that, you know, his he needs to improve his passing ability. But either way, I think he's going to start at some point. But I do think that if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, he's still a decent quarterback, and I think he's a starter at starting level in the NFL. If they start losing games, though, and he's not injured or whatever, they're going to go with him early on in the season. Like, if they start the season off, like, 0-3, 1-5 or whatever, it will hurt to bring in Trey Lance. I mean, I don't think they will because he's 22-8 with the team. But, I mean, he could, could potentially. Um, yeah. Another thing to note, though, he has more career starts than Justin Fields and Mac Jones. So if they're playing the – I mean, it's one thing to play the FCS card, but it's not really to say a lack of experience. Because you can look at the throws that Trey Lance would make. 
yeah, he's not the most accurate guy on the planet, but guess who wasn't the most accurate? Josh Allen. And look how he's turned out with a good pe- people around him. I talked about it last podcast, so that's one. That's another thing if you want to go listen to that. But I, I think Trey Lance is going to come in, and he's going to be a stud in the NFL for years to come. Let's roll with the next one. All right, Brooks. Are you booking it that Mac Jones will be game one starter for the Patriots? I will not be. Unless Cam Newton is just absolutely terrible in the pre- preseason training camp, which I don't think he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be good enough to at least be named the week one starter. I think as pro-ready as Mac Jones is, he needs to be in the Patriots system just a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a three-way battle between Stidham, Newton, and Mac Jones. So I would think around – it depends on if they're winning games, so I think they will – I would say around week eight to week 14, that would be the ideal time for Mac Jones to start, kind of what we saw with Tua last year. So I think um, Cam will be winning enough games to keep his job, but I think after a while they're going to see what Mac Jones is made of. Yeah, and it's kind of sad to talk about this too because Cam Newton was the NFL MVP back in 2015. So we know the caliber of player he is, but after injuries and such. He's not the same guy anymore. No, and that's what I, I was going to say, it, too. Right? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, too, is he's just – he honestly does not look great in the past few years. And so I can see why the Patriots went with quarterback here. And one extra thing to note, too, is a lot of people think Mac Jones, you know, he, he's a rookie coming in, doesn't have much experience, but he spent a lot of time behind quarterbacks such as um, uh, Tua and even – just, even fields right so those are two quarterbacks that you know as we know one's a nfl starter and the other got drafted too so he's been surrounded by um some top caliber talent too yeah and yeah he had nick saban as, as as his head coach so i think that also helps and he got a lot of shade in this draft process and nothing that he did and just there was rumors of him going three so naturally people are gonna give him shade but i think if there was an ideal landing spot a perfect one it would be with New England. So I love the fit for them, and I'll be excited to see what he can do there in the long term. Uh, what's the next one? All right, for the last one, we're going to go with, Do you are you booking it, Brooks, that Kyle Pitts will surpass Mike Ditka for most receiving yards as a rookie tight end? Uh, how many receiving yards is that? So it would be 1,076 yards absolutely i'm absolutely booking it kyle pitts he is a freakish athlete he may be listed as a tight end but he is certainly not that he can do it all and in that offense he's gonna feast remember austin hooper yeah he is trash with the browns he was amazing with the falcons that one year and i think we're gonna see similar from kyle pitts i think he's gonna get 1200 pat or receiving yards and going to shatter that record well, that's quite the book, Brooks, because this record hasn't been broken since 1961. So, and they have not seen a tight end like Kyle Pitts in the draft in a very, very long time. Because again, he is not your average. Put him on the line, have him block for you, maybe go out for like two yard out route like Jason Witten was in his prime. No, no, no. He is, he is elite. He is physically gifted. Yeah, and I think that's why we saw him go at number four. You know. In past drafts, we haven't seen too many tight ends go that high in the draft. So that just yeah, you don't see a traditional tight end go four. You don't. Hawkinson was eight. 
Um, and he wasn't even that traditional. But it just when you're an athlete like Kyle Pitts, yeah, he, he's no tight end. That's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy to think that even when you put a cornerback out on him, he's still at sometimes is faster than a majority of cornerbacks. So that just speaks to his level of athletic ability. Yeah, we're getting a little too long here. We could talk about this for a long time, but let's now talk about Aaron Rodgers and the saga with that. I mean, do you think these rumors are true? There's rumors that he wants their GM out. There's rumors that he wants out. He can retire, he can go to Jeopardy. I think he might be being a little bit of a big baby, but I want to hear what you think as a Vikings fan. Well, as a Vikings fan, this is absolutely music to my ears. Um, as soon as I saw this first report, my I was smiling um, big time and had to text a few buddies and be like, all right, this is our year. But with all that being said, I do agree he's kind of being a big baby, but at the same time, I feel like he has a right to be a big baby. The things he's done for that organization – and the level of play he's at right now, I mean, even for his age, I would argue that last year was one of his best years. So he's a high-level quarterback for sure. Um, regardless, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So I think he needs some say in this organization, and I don't think he's been getting it. Well, yeah, it's not like just the Jordan Love pick. He didn't know about that pick, though, until it got drafted. So I think he just he wants to feel respected. He wants to have a, a voice. And whoever their GM is, is not giving him his say in any of the decisions. Like, Trevor Lawrence is getting more of a say. The Bears called Andy Dalton before drafting Justin Fields to say, hey, this is what we're doing. Andy Dalton, who hasn't been with the Bears for more than, like, two months, is getting, um, getting at least more respect than Aaron Rodgers has been getting. So it's not about just, like, not drafting a receiver or weapons or whatever. It's just more of a respect thing. But, I mean, nonetheless, I do think he's kind of overreacting just a little bit. But where do you think some landing spots for him? Because I think while the Broncos is an obvious one, the Raiders could be a dark horse because Gruden has been known to make splashy moves. And an interesting thing to note, in 2007, he almost got traded there in a part of a Randy Moss trade that I posted a while back. So could happen again. And then another thing to note is he was taking a pick after the Raiders pick so third time's the charm hopefully for the Raiders yeah I mean the two names you named off in the Broncos and the Raiders are the two teams that I've seen the most buzz about obviously the Broncos a lot of people even thought that this trade was going to go down a few few days ago so um, before the draft too I would have thrown out the 49ers um, I think there was even something I saw where Aaron Rodgers was convinced he was going to be a 49er before the draft happened so after they draft Terry Lance, I think they're off the board, but Broncos and Raiders are probably the two favorites right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. It just, I just don't know if a trade like that's going to happen with how stubborn the Packers GM is. And, I mean, I, I would be surprised that they would trade their 37-year-old MVP, and I would be surprised to see what kind of return they would get. And with how much he's loved doing Jeopardy!, I think my best guess right now is appeasing as the Raider, appealing as the Raiders thing sounds, is that he will be a full on Jeopardy host <laughs> and just retire, or at least pull a Brett Favre and just retire for one year, do something like that. Because what else does Aaron Rodgers have left to like show people or accomplish? Like yeah. he's done everything. He's on multiple MVPs. He's won a Super Bowl. He's going to be undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. Like what else does he have to prove to people? 
So if yeah. he really truly loves playing Jeopardy or hosting Jeopardy, why not make that your full time thing? And so that's why I think there is a better chance than none that he retires. Yeah, and and I think he's going to stay in football just because I think he knows the level of play he's at right now. Um, you named all the accomplishments he's had, but I think he firmly agrees that right now he's, you know, I I wouldn't say peak, but he's probably pretty close to. Um, this is the best he's going to be um, within the next few years. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I don't see him retiring, but. To kind of shake up this discussion, the last team I would touch on is the New Orleans Saints. Um, don't rule them out. I think that would be a scary sight for, for a lot of teams. But the only reasons, you know, I wouldn't see him going through is I just don't think that the Packers would want to keep him in the NFC. So in the end, that's just kind of a dark horse team. I wanted to put it out there because if it does happen, I can take credit for it. Right, Brooks? You know what? I will give you credit for that. Um you did not give me credit for my Kenny Galladay pick, though, to the Giants. So you kind of dissed me on that one. But I think that wraps up the podcast from here. I think we've talked about a lot. We're over our usual 40-minute time limit. Um, but we, we had a fun podcast. talked about a lot. Um, anything you'd like to add towards the end, Andrew? No, I mean, uh, the amount we talked today shows how much went on in the draft. I think this draft kind of shook up a lot of teams and – I think a lot of teams will be a lot more successful this season with the picks they made. So with all that being said, just want to thank the listeners for tuning in and we'd really appreciate it if you would tell your friends about this podcast, because, you know, I think there's a lot of exciting things to come with me and Brooks. Yeah, please do. We work hard on this. We prepare for hours on this. So please, you know, share a friend um, and also follow the TikTok because that's where I'll be posting some of the best clips. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next week when we do our way-too-early award predictions. Have a good rest of your day, Andrew. You too, Brooks. Bye.